Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. We read a scripture from the Gospel of John this morning, of the first Easter morning. We think of last Sunday, we uh, remembered Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday was a day of expectation and eagerness as they came to Jerusalem, as they came with the thousands and thousands and thousands of people who came that weekend to celebrate Passover uh, the week before uh, to Jerusalem. And it was a time of expectation, a time of eagerness. You get the feel that his disciples and his followers were expecting that he was now going to announce his kingship, his messiahship, and that they were there for this reason. It was a wonderful, joyous day. We gathered on Friday night to celebrate the crucifixion of our Savior, the death on the cross of Calvary, the horrible, horrible death he paid of, of for pay for sin, for my sin and your sin, as we just heard he did it for us on the cross of Calvary. And what a change that next Sunday the next first day of the week from a week ago. There was no more joy as dawn broke that day. There was no more expectation, and there certainly wasn't any eagerness. The only thing left to do was to come to the tomb, have somebody roll away the stone, and give his body a proper Jewish anointing for his burial. For he had been taken off that cross on the eve of Passover, bravely by Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, who had real risk to their lives, really, by identifying with him as Pilate for his body. They quickly anointed it and buried it, but it needed a proper burial. This was very important. And as the women came that morning, we read already from John, the tomb was open, stone was rolled away, There was confusion. There was bewilderment. As we read, it says that they looked in, and it says that uh, they looked in and they they saw and they believed. But what did they believe? What, What had happened? His body was gone. And we read next that the disciples went back to their homes. They were still basically, we'll find out, of course, as we read through this, in in hiding. Not in hiding, but they were with the locked door because of fear. They, they were part of this insurrection, if you will, because Jesus was crucified for blasphemy, but from the Romans' perspective, when they accused him of worshiping another Caesar, that's insurrection, and Pilate gave in and had him crucified. And to identify with that would be very, very dangerous. But it says they went home, and Mary, she was still there. She stood outside the tomb crying and she wept and she bent over to look in the tomb and two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. Some of us have been to the garden tomb in uh, Jerusalem area. It may not be the actual tomb, but it's a very good representation of what it would have been like if it's not. And you walk, you look in there and you see the, the, the stone ledge where the body would be laid. And then later on, the bones put in the box and put in the back and the next family member laid there. 
It was a brand new tomb, and, it, and there was nothing there. And there were two individuals in there. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? And Mary says, they've taken my Lord. They've taken him away, and I don't know where they have put him. They've taken him. And as she at this, she turned around, and she saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Everybody's asking, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking it was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, please tell me where you have put him, and I will get him to give him a proper burial. She brought the spices and the oils and everything needed to to anoint his body. There is no expectation. There is no eagerness. There is no joy. There is tears. There is sorrow. There is loss. There is confusion. There's darkness on this first day of the week. In the Gospel of John, he says, Jesus said to her, Miriam, Miriam, Mary. He spoke her name. And she turned around toward him and she cried out in the Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. And Jesus said, do not hold on to me. I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. And she went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things. Uh, My wife likes to listen to, we listened to last year, and she put on this morning the Recording of Larnell Harris and Sandy Patty. I've just seen Jesus. Many of you maybe have seen that. It's kind of a classic Easter song. And it's very emotional. I've just seen Jesus. And Mary went and told the disciples. Can you imagine the change from this lack of expectation, this lack of eagerness, this lack of joy, to hear him speak her name? Come on, you've had somebody most likely that you've been close to, at least many of you have, who has died. To hear that person speak your name, they're alive again. And the, the change, the joy, and the expectation, and the hope that all changed with that one word, Miriam. Miriam. And that she knew his voice. The minute he said her name, she knew his voice. It really was Jesus of Nazareth, the Lord. He was not dead. He was alive. And friends, day one begins. The ultimate revolution began that first day of the week when the Lord Jesus Christ announced his resurrection, his victory, the defeat of death, and of sin and the ultimate defeat of Satan and all this opposed to God's glory and God's beauty and God's righteousness, it was announced on that day that the end is coming. The end is here. Expectation, eagerness, and joy. We've been studying the book of Philippians together on Sunday morning. I'd like you to turn to Philippians 3 for just a short passage this morning. We're going to sort of jump ahead in our series on Philippians because it's so appropriate for this Easter morning. This is the passage that speaks to this 
eagerness of the resurrection. Philippians chapter 3. Let's pray for a moment. Fathers, we open your word and continue to meditate through worship, through song, through scripture today on this glorious day. Easter morning, day one. Father, we thank you for the newness of life, the resurrection and the hope and the joy of eternal life. We thank you for the victory of Christ, that you raised him from the dead with your power and defeated Satan and death. And Father, we ask your blessing on your word to us and also to our children as they continue to worship and to meet this morning. May this be a wonderful day around your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Philippians chapter 3, after the Apostle Paul describes some of the pattern of life for those who are opposed to the cross of Christ, who are enemies of the cross, he says, he, he describes their lifestyle and so forth. And he says this in verse 20, but our citizenship, our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. As reading this passage and thinking about Easter, that's why I've kind of chose to jump ahead and we'll come back to where we are in chapter 2 next week. As we look ahead to this passage here, and, and Paul says, and this is a phrase that caught my attention, we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, God has called us, and the Apostle Paul reminds us, that we are eagerly awaiting the expectation of the Lord's return. We really do believe that. Amen? Amen. We really do believe He is coming again. And we really do believe that his death and resurrection has changed everything and that God is reclaiming to himself what belongs to him. You know, one of the passages that is, is of course, is so important to us as we, as we walk with our Lord Jesus Christ is Romans chapter 8 that, is, that has um, so many things in it that we find so helpful. But in verse uh, 23, 23, he says this, verse 22, we know that the whole creation, whole creation, has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our redemption as sons and daughters, the redemption of our bodies. And in this hope, we hope. Paul uses this term, and so uniquely to, to to Paul's writings, we eagerly await. We are eagerly anticipating the return of our Lord Jesus Christ and the transformation that he is going to accomplish for us and for all who've come to know his salvation and accepted his atonement for their sins, the blood of Jesus Christ. We eagerly await. What a difference from that. What a difference this is today from that first moments at the tomb, the empty tomb when they, when they first came with that hopelessness and that loss and that bewilderment. Our songs today are songs of joy and of celebration, of resurrection and of hope and of eagerness. And all because he was raised from the dead. Miriam, Mary, it's me. It's me. Go tell my brothers. Go tell them. I'm coming. I'm going to the Father. I'm coming to them. It is me. I am alive. 
But you know, in this passage here, what opens up this thought of this eagerness is this interesting phrase in verse 20. But our citizenship is already in heaven. Some of the older translations, I believe the King James use our, our conversation is in heaven. And the reason that word was used because it's the idea of our life, how we talk, how we live. But the word that's used here, our citizenship is in heaven. That's a good translation. Because it's a word that, that, that speaks of, 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 well, this, this was written to Philippians. The, the Philippians lived in a city in Philippi that was a very, very important Roman colony. Rome was a city-state. Rome was not a country. Rome was a city. And the city of Rome, by their power and their military strength, they had transferred their power all over the known world, yes. And in that known world, there were many conquered cities, like Jerusalem, that were under their power. But there were also cities, and not, that, not as many, but there were those that were declared Roman colonies. And the people who lived in these Roman colonies were granted citizenship. They had the same rights. They were equal to citizens in the mother city of Rome. They were citizens. They had rights of citizenship. They were a colony. Oftentimes these colonies were started by Roman soldiers who had been faithful and had done their work. And the colony would be established. And the Roman soldiers and then their families would become the core of this colony because of their faithfulness and loyalty to the armies and the emperor to Caesar. Philippi was a Roman colony. These people knew this word. They were proud of this. If you lived in, as, as a citizen of Philippi, you were a citizen of Rome. What did that mean? What did it mean to be a colony? In the Roman times, and oftentimes we think of the colonial era, and we know there's lots of things today that we understand about that. But just given the historical context, what is it? A colony is, is, is something that is, is an extension of the mother country. The colony of Philippi was an extension of Rome. And as, a, as it was founded, it was expected that those who lived there as citizens of Rome, but living in a place like Philippi, were there, their loyalties were to Rome, and they were there to expand Roman culture, to expand Roman thought, to expand Roman power. They were there to be a colony of Rome in this place to establish Rome. And it's interesting that the Apostle Paul says, our citizenship is in heaven. And if you think of that in this context, what did the resurrection mean? The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ meant that all who became believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and accepted this message, and accepted his sacrifice, and accepted his atonement, they have become one with Christ. And Christ is in the heavens today, and the church, the body of Christ. He is the head, the church is the body. We are one with him. He is in heaven. Paul says, we are citizens of heaven already, but we are a colonial people. God has placed us here on earth. And why are we here? Are we here? to enclose ourselves and to wall ourselves off to just wait until that day that we are called home to heaven? Or are we here because of the resurrection as a foothold on this earth of God's presence? Are we here to expand God's work? 
Are we here to represent God's work? We are a colony. We are a citizenship of heaven. And we are here for a purpose because of the resurrection. We are here on God's behalf. And we are here to represent and expand and to, and, to, and to preach this message and to live this message of reclamation that God is bringing back to himself. God is redeeming. God is offering salvation. God is offering hope. Friends, we are citizens of heaven, but that doesn't mean that, our, that, that we just are waiting, waiting, waiting. We eagerly expect what? We eagerly expect, because we are citizens, a Savior from there who will return. And when he does, notice what Paul says. Verse 21, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control. By the power that enables him to bring everything under his control. This is the message of the resurrection, friends. That God is in the business. God is in the planning of bringing everything back under his control. We are the first fruits of that. We are representation. We are a colony here to proclaim this and announce this and live this life that God has given us to remind our world that he is reclaiming. He is coming back. And when he does, look what it says. He will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. This is why we eagerly await. This is why the resurrection is so beautiful and so important. This is why it's day one. This is why it's the core of what we believe. Without the resurrection, the crucifixion would have been meaningless. It would have been meaningless. Because God, by his power, by his power, he raised Christ from the dead and gave him his, he was alive. It was him. You know, we often wonder, what is the resurrection going to be like? That's really hard to, 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 we say today, wrap our minds around, right? What is it going to be like? As pastor, I've been asked so many times over the years, well, how old am I going to be? Uh, what's it going to be like? Who am I going to know? What are we going to, you know, there's a lot, you know what? I, I can't answer those questions. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29 says, the revealed things belong to us, the secret things belong to God. And there are some things that we just, we have to leave with God. But I do know this. The apostle Paul says here, the same thing, the gospel that, that, that the author, the Apostle John writes in his first epistle, where he says, little children does not yet appear what we shall be. But we do know this. When we see him, we will be like him. And the Apostle Paul here tells us is all we need to know, friends. We will transform our bodies so they will be like his glorious body. What does the resurrection mean for us this resurrection day? First day of the week. Sunday, we gather every Sunday to, re, to remember the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean for us? What does it mean that I'm going to be raised, I'm going to have a resurrected body? What does that mean to us? Raised and resurrection. Well, I do know this. I'm going to be like his glorious body. It was him. It was him. He spoke her name. It was his voice. It was him. But it was different. But it was him. And I'm going to be me and you're going to be you. And our families are going to be who they are. Because we are going to be like him. The Apostle Paul, our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly, 
with anticipation and expectation. We await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power, the same power that raised God, that raised Christ from the dead, that same power somehow I'm going to experience and you're going to experience you are going to experience God's amazing power to transform our bodies. Who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. Friends, this is why Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, day one, is such a day of joy and celebration. And he concludes with this actually in the next chapter. Therefore, Brothers and sisters, you whom I love, you whom I long for, my joy, my crown, this is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. This is a good day, amen? Amen. It's Resurrection Sunday. It's a day we proclaim hope and joy. We proclaim the victory of God over death. We accept his announcement that he is alive. Miriam. It's me. I'm alive. I am not dead. We've conquered death and conquered sin. And he's called us to be a colony of God, a colony of heaven, a colony of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Christ died on the cross and paid for our sins. And that if we receive his payment for our sins and receive eternal life and become part of that colony of heaven, that God has called us to live on this earth to help in his ministry of spreading this word, of spreading this colony, of spreading the righteousness of heaven. What a privilege. What a privilege that God has given us until that day of resurrection that we eagerly expect. And friend, that is another beginning. That is another beginning of joy, of service, of worship, of being with our Lord and loved ones for all eternity. And you are welcome to join us through the blood of Jesus Christ and simple faith in accepting his payment for your sin. Resurrection Sunday. He has risen. He has risen indeed because of the power of God. We're going to close our service with some wonderful music, some music that we love, that we're going to share, we're going to sing, the choir. Lift our voices now. Come on, lift your voices. This is a day of joy. Stand firm in the Lord. Let's lift our voices in joy and celebration of this wonderful day. This next song, let's raise it high, okay? Come on, let's sing together. Would you please stand as we sing together, Christ arose. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Thank you so much. Let's stand. We're going to be dismissed. And after I have a word of prayer, you just remain for a moment. The choir has a benediction for us. They're going to sing. And then we are going to leave and just stay as long as you want. Enjoy the fellowship. Greet one another. And uh, we're so glad. You ought to, next Easter, you ought to all come down and sit in the front row so you can hear yourself sing. How's that sound? I'll go, I'll go stand over here so I can hear you again. Though. But uh, it's just so beautiful to hear your voices and to be here today. When Jesus died and they placed him in the tomb, it says they, they, they put the stone and they sealed the tomb. They sealed that stone. 
It doesn't mean they glued it shut or cemented it shut. What it means is they put it in place and they put the Roman seal across it. And that Roman seal said, do not tamper. This is Roman property. And if you tamper with this, you will be put to death. I wonder if, I wonder on that resurrection, when the moment it took place, did, did the angel, did the, did the stone roll away and then Jesus came out? Did he leave and then the stone was rolled away? It doesn't tell us. Frankly, that was probably the easiest part of Easter morning was to break that seal and roll the stone away. That's nothing for God and for the angels compared to the Roman government. But we know this. When they came, it was wide open so they could look in and they could see he is not here. He has risen. But he was there. Miriam. He just wasn't there anymore laying on that bed. And I invite you this morning to look inside. Peer inside. Take some time today to meditate. To look inside that open tomb and to contemplate the victory of life over death. He is alive. He is risen. It's a good day. It's a good day. If we can be of any help to you, the pastors have been up here, be sure to talk to us. We'd love to pray with you and talk with you today. Invite you to peer inside in the place of your faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this Resurrection Sunday, first day of the week. You are a God of new beginnings. We begin a new week. And we also commemorate today the newness of life, the first day of the story of our salvation. Father, if we could all hear you pronounce our name like you did to Mary, what an encouragement that would be. May we listen to you today. May we with the Apostle Paul eagerly expect and anticipate the return of our Savior and in the meantime eagerly appreciate the privilege of being a colony of heaven here on earth to demonstrate the love, grace, and mercy of our God to our neighbors and friends. We leave this place with the joy and the victory of the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ.